guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome to the community bible church podcast where we're doing a chapter by chapter weekly discussion of the book gentle and lowly the Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Orland. My name is Joseph Brader. I am the pastor of worship and discipleship at Community Bible Church of Orange Park. And I am here once again with Jim Peterson and Fred Hoffland. Thank you guys for staying around and doing round two. Yeah. We'll just dive into uh, to chapter 22. He appropriately titled to the end because we're really headed towards the end of the book. But he spends a lot of time uh, in this chapter sort of juxtaposing Christ's righteous wrath and judgment with his love for his people. And uh, and so I just want to ask a couple questions and talk about a couple things related to that. First, how does the extremity of divine wrath that Jesus experienced on the cross help to assure us that he will not stop loving us to the end? When you think and reflect on what Christ endured mm -hmm. in terms of wrath, and you think he did this knowing what he was taking upon himself and because of that we think he's not going to let that fall by the wayside he yeah. is going to hold us he has treasured his people enough he's treasured us enough to give his life to endure that wrath and therefore we say that's not going to change hmm. yeah it's stable and unshakable and steadfast yeah he's already loved us at the most difficult point of loving us, which was going to the cross. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, any thoughts or anything to add there? No, that was well said and very helpful, Fred. <laughs> mm -hmm. Orland spends time not just talking about love and wrath, but kind of emphasizing each and differentiating to some degree. Uh, Christ's love and his judgment and differentiating the ways that Christ relates to believers versus non-believers. How does understanding the wrath of God help us to better understand and appreciate his love? Well, it's because, from my point of view, it's because he um, gave us a plan to escape that wrath mm -hmm. by the gift of the Son. Mm -hmm. And that Son following through as Fred said earlier, indescribable pain, both physical and emotional. Yeah. Uh, because of all of the stuff that got poured on him because of us. Yeah. Uh, and yet he did so willingly. Mm -hmm. um, it just speaks to the incomprehensible amount of love he has for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would add as well, when we think about God's wrath and God's love, if there was no anger, no reflection against his holiness then you think well where is the measure of love yes if somebody doesn't care what happens to some treasure you'd say well they can't treasure it very much yeah and i think that that's where we see both the proportionality of wrath and love that god has intense feelings well, we got to use those words carefully. Affection, yeah, yeah. Um, as we see that, and therefore those two are not then contrary. 
right. uh, in God that he's one and the other at some time, but that yeah. he always has those feelings. Yeah, for sure. And you're right in a sense, like the love of God doesn't really make sense. And that we don't get the full picture of the love of God without some understanding of the severity of the wrath of God. If the love of God is seen most clearly at the cross and in the gospel, that is, as Jim, you've said, that is God's response, if you will, for maybe like a better term, uh, towards sin. That's the rescue plan for people who are sinners and objects of his wrath. So we've got to understand the wrath uh, before the love makes any sense at all. And then I think the severity or extremity of wrath uh, helps us to understand, I guess just to use the same verbiage, the same severity or maybe intensity of divine love. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the people that he's loved and pursued deserve that kind of wrath. All of us deserve that sort of intense Uh, extreme wrath that Jesus experienced on the cross and God in his love pursued us when we're like that and he loves us with the same sort of intensity that he pours out wrath on that he pours out his wrath on Christ on the cross which is kind of mind-boggling isn't it absolutely John Owen just turning a little bit as he turns towards the end of the chapter John Owen said, uh, there is not the meanest, the weakest, the poorest believer. You probably should recognize that verbiage because we sing it in the song, His Mercy is More. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. That's just sound familiar. But anyway, John Owen says, there's not the meanest, the weakest, the poorest believer on earth, but Christ prizes him more than all the world. How would your life be different if you understood and believed that? I'm assuming... Of course, that we don't understand and believe that, which I think is a fair, a fair uh, assumption at this point, given all of the conversations that we've had and all of the things that we've talked about. Right. And I agree with you that we don't understand that. We look at ourselves. We measure ourselves by others. We measure ourselves by what we accomplish or what we don't accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you begin to think if Christ treasures me more than all the influence, all yep. the, the wealth that is in the world, in the universe. And it, it does. It, it astounds us. We think, if that's true, then yes, all things are mine in Christ. Right, and yeah. there is an eternal glory that I cannot begin to fathom now, and it's because Christ has treasured us, prizes us more than all the things. And Part of it is, as we think about that, it makes us treasure other things of the world less, I think. That's, we think about it that's true. That's true. I hadn't even thought about that angle, but that's absolutely true. You yeah. asked how it would have changed my life. Yeah. Have I understood that earlier? Uh, for me, it would be the commune with Christ, uh, yeah. spending time with him that uh, for a great part of my life was not as much as it should be. Mm. And you'd say part of that is because you were living, uh, in fe- maybe fear is too strong of a term, but um, you're always thinking, I've got to clean up before I can have communion. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think I've had a similar sort of experience. I think I would have a lot more confidence and rest, which the Bible tells me I'm supposed to have in Christ. I think I would have a lot more of that if I believe this. 
I think I spend a way too much of my life looking in inward, I guess, and saying, am I cleaned up enough to come to Christ and really trust him and know him and love him and rest in him and to sort of feel the sort of sorts of things that he says I'm supposed to feel, to have that kind of hope and joy, which is so backwards and it, it connects in one sense, I guess, to something we talked about last week with the union with Christ and like, where are we looking <laughs> for this, that sort of confidence, that sort of rest. But I think if I believed that Jesus loved me more than all the world, even at my weakest, and I spend lots of days seeing myself as the meanest and weakest and poorest believer on earth, right? Uh, as I think a lot of us do. If I really believed that, I would have a really different sort of hope and joy and confidence and rest in Christ, which creates more and deeper and richer communion. Uh, it creates more treasuring of Christ and less treasuring of the things of the world. Uh, I think it, it, well, I mean, we could go on and on and on with sort of the practical implications of that. Anything else that you guys would like to add as we wrap up this chapter? He ends that that he will love you to the end. Mm -hmm. If the, if we are treasured to that degree, yeah. then it is not going to be something that's discarded. It gets old, but we are loved to the end. Mm -hmm. And I think there again, the assurance of that is because of Christ's assurance of his, the greatness of his love to us, yeah. that he gave his own life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we keep turning our eyes there. We keep looking at the cross. We keep looking at what Jesus has done. That's a good place to, I think, to wrap up for this week. So we'll end the conversation. Let me let me just remind you guys, we are, uh, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, we are really considering doing a, sort of a second season of the podcast, um, but we want to know whether or not that would be helpful to you. So what we are wanting to do to kind of gauge that and get us rolling on uh, a second season is take some questions that you guys would like to have us answer or try to answer or at least uh, discuss and bat around a little bit. So if you have questions, if, you, if you're interested in another season of this podcast, if that is something that could be a helpful sort of uh, discipleship tool for our church, we really want to keep doing it. So if that's interesting to you um, and you have a question or questions that you would like us to answer regarding you know the Bible, theology, ministry, all kinds of things, uh, please send it in. Uh, you can email me at jbrader at cbcorangepark.com. Let me know what the question or questions might be, and uh, if we have enough interest, we're going to keep going. But I just want to remind you of that so that you can send those questions in if you have them. But let me finish, as we have every week throughout this podcast, by reading Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Weary, find your comfort. Come, you lost, and find your